Please take your Bibles and turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, where we're continuing our study of the book of the Thessalonians that Paul has written to the people, obviously, of, in Thessalonica. And so we have a change as we come to chapter 4, verse 1, because it says, finally. So there's a, a change, and the change happens because, again, if you have been paying attention, uh, Paul has been giving his background uh, to the people of saying, hey, it, there's a reason why I left so soon and I'm not with you. And that reason is because they ran us out. They have taken a a money pledge from someone, and so we had to leave to go to a new city. But the reality is, is that Paul's and Timothy's and, and uh, Titus's love for the Thessalonians runs very deep. And so he's he's writing back to me. He says, "Hey, these people that are sitting there saying that I don't love you or I don't care, it's not true. And here's let me let me show you how I loved you. Let me show how I care for you. How I long to be in your presence." And so he's set that stage, so he's given him the, the doctrine, but then he starts and changes. He says, now here's the duty for now how you should live as becomes a follower of Christ. And so there's a switch here um, that happens. And so it goes from doctrine to the duty. And then he will expand on what does that mean to, to deal with death in a Christian way? What does it mean to live in relationships? What does it mean to deal with, with bosses and work in regards to what does it mean to be a Christian? Okay, so that's going to be unpacked as we look. But we're going to look today just simply at two verses because they're rich with an understanding of the basis for us to go on in regard to this. So look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Again, Father, allow your word to wash over us, Lord. May we not just simply read over those words, but Lord, may we be able to unpack just what it means to be urged to live as becomes a follower of Jesus Christ. Lord, that is our desire to look more like our Savior. So we pray that you would be faithful to that today. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand. Lord, may you make these truths run deep into our lives and impact how we think and how we live. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So the first thing we're going to look is we're going to unpack this. And the first thing that Paul does is he urges the people to please God. Now, this first part, I, I know there's always a struggle. We're tired. Uh, we get overwhelmed with things. People are yawning already. People's heads are starting to droop already. I'm going to ask that you stay awake, unless it's specifically for this first part, because I think it's important. Okay, because what Paul is saying here, when he begins to urge the people to please God, he is not saying that we are saved by good works. Okay, And this is very important for us to understand, especially in our day and age, because we cannot earn our salvation by doing good works. You are not a good person. I'm sorry to tell you that. You can dress up nice. You can lie to other people around you. You can even do good things according to the world standards. But in the greater course of things, you're not good. 
Everybody in here, if I asked you, and I do this all the time with my kids over in the Booker T community, how many of you have cheated? And all, 100% of the, and these are kids that are like 6 years old to, to 12 or 13 or whatever. How many of you guys have already cheated in your life? 100% of the hands go up. How many of you have lied? How many of you have stolen? How many of you have talked back? How many of you thought ill of someone else? And I guarantee you that if I did that, and I don't want to embarrass you, but 100% of the hands would go up in this room as well. But the reality is, is we cannot earn salvation by doing what we think are good works. So we have to be very, very careful because a lot of times, especially Christians, want to veto the law altogether. So they say, well, we're saved by grace through uh, faith, so we don't have to worry about works at all. Well, that's not true either. So we have to make sure that we get this right. So we can't earn salvation by doing good works, but there are also people who believe that, oh, well, I'm saved by Jesus, but I still have to do good works for him to love me. That's not true. We don't have to do anything to earn God's love. It's not Jesus plus something else. See, it's through Christ alone. And because we are saved through Christ alone, then Paul now says, now I'm urging you, as you have received Christ, as you have been saved by Christ, I urge you to now live as becomes persistent to the followers of Christ. And what he does, he says, I want you uh, to to have this understanding. It's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. And the heart issue says, uh, let me give it to you this way. Many of us have, at least I'll make it personal. There were some times, very few times, but sometimes that I would get in trouble as a child. Okay? Now, the way my mom dealt with this was she would say, now, Jeffrey Wayne, and she used the full name, Jeffrey Wayne, you go to your room and wait till your father comes home. Now, I knew knew exactly what that meant, because back in that day, that meant as soon as my dad caught in and he heard the, the story from my mom, he would ultimately enter my room already taking off his belt. He would proceed then to spank me. And then what was his response to whoever I did something to, and it was probably mostly to my sister, now go and apologize and say you're sorry to your sister. Now here's what I, what I want you to pick up. How do you think I went and asked for forgiveness from my sister? Or said I was sorry? Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Are you really sorry? Yes. Now, what parent in here thinks that I was really sorry for what I did to my sister? I was sorry I got spanked. I was sorry I got caught. But I wasn't sorry for what I had done at that moment. Now, hopefully, hopefully, at some point, I really did change. And at the core of my heart, I went back and actually truly apologized to my sister. But here's the reality. A lot of people settle for the status quo in regards to spirituality i'm saved and that's enough it's not enough can people see that your life is different because of jesus christ and so it's a it's a heart issue and so what paul does gently he says i want you to get to a place in your life where you're pleasing God, where that is your sole uh, desire. 
Now, he does it in such a way, when he uses the word urge, that the purpose is, we have to ask the question, is that for punishment or to strengthen? It's not to punish. And then we all understand, again, if you've ever been a part of a sport or something like that, there's coaches who punish you by making you do things. But there's others who teach you and to teach you and strengthen you. So that you're ready and prepared. And that's what Paul is doing here. He's saying, I want you to be strengthened to live a life that you're called to. So again, when you're tempted to, st- to stand for the spiritual status quo, he's saying, I want you to strive f- further. Let's see what the scripture says. This is what Paul says and that, uh, um, what Neil has already read to us. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. We're never going to be perfect on this life. So what do we do? But I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brother, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul's telling us to do. Press on. Press on. It's going to be hard. You're not going to get it perfect. Stop worrying about what you haven't done or what you failed to do keep moving forward there's a great quote and i don't remember where it's from now but someone said if you find yourself in hell don't stop get through as fast as you can keep pressing forward keep running back to jesus so as we have that opportunity we get we get pushed forward to 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 run the race that's set before us And as that happens, the question becomes, well, how do we do it? We do it because of love. We don't do it um, to please God because we're in fear. Let me give you this illustration that was given. Um, There was a boy who was out there and they were told, hey, let's go and throw these rocks and break the windows in this house that's abandoned. And the boy was like, I'm not going to do it. And uh, his friends kept cajoling him, do it, come on. And one of the boys finally said to him, I know why you're not throwing a rock at the windows, because you're scared of what your dad's going to do. And the boy responded with this. Now listen to the difference. I'm not scared of what my father's going to do to me. I'm worried about what these actions that I would do would do to him. Big difference. That's a child who understands that he wouldn't malign his father's name because of Love, not because of fear. If you only do things in your Christian walk because you think that God is going to get you or God is out for you or if you don't do something that somehow he's going to do something bad to you, you don't understand the Father. You don't understand him. God is there and he says, I love you. He never began that love and it never ends. He loves you. And so what happens is our mind should just start to change from, am I worried about the law or do I love the law giver? See, we're called to live. We're called to still fulfill the Ten Commandments. Not because we have to but because it becomes our joy to. What a difference. So Paul says, I urge you to move forward. Then what he does in point two, he says this, I want you to keep doing the right things. 
Now, the first thing he does is he makes a statement in this. He says, it's how you walk. And I think this is very specific because you might have a translation that has a different word. Now, listen, I think it's important for this way because I think Paul does talk about in other books and other letters that he's written. He says he, he puts other metaphors. Run the race. It's a competition. There's things like that. I think he's very specific here of saying walk in your relationship to Christ. Why do I, I think that? Because one, I think there's a reality that it, we have to think of it as a slow and steady pace. To grow in Christ, to have our hearts changed, is not an instant thing. You didn't become a Christian and instantly everything gets fixed. Everything goes away. All the temptations no longer matter to you. It's a long, drawn-out process So it has to be something that's slow and steady. And a lot of times it's unspectacular. A lot of times, again, I come from not a Christian background. So so to know what I came from and what I was doing and what Christ saved me from is a big deal. But sometimes I struggle with people who say, well, I grew up in a Christian home and I don't have a great testimony. You've got the best testimony. Man. To never know a day when you didn't know the love of Jesus Christ around you? To know that you were always loved for who you were, not for what you did? What an incredible testimony. And so to have an unspectacular testimony is not a bad thing. To live an unspectacular Christian life is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. You know what? If you go and look at the pros uh, warm up and stuff like that, they're doing the same drills in the pros that the Mighty Mites are doing out on their field. We have to make sure that we get the basics right. Because if we don't get those right, then it messes everything else up. So he's saying, hey, be unspectacular. Be right. Do things correctly. Do it more and more. That was his thing. You're already doing it, but continue to do it more and more. But I want you to understand that it's not by performance. Because again, if we look at performance from the human standpoint, again, there are people who are living within this room who are living with people or friendships or parents where you had to earn their love. If I do this, then this will happen for me. If I just do X, A, B, and C, then maybe they'll like me. Maybe they'll love me. And for some of you, you guys can do everything right, and it still not matter. So, some ways, we're driven to performance in our society. It shouldn't be that way. Definitely shouldn't be that way with our father. So if you are being crushed by human relationships, please tell someone. Please get help if need be. But definitely run to people who are going to love you because they love you. There's also human relationships that we have where people are... um, what we call approval junkies. They're always doing things because they always want approval. And that's just as bad. 
You know the reality of where of how God deals with us? What does he say? I'm your father. He doesn't say he's our God. He takes delight and takes pleasure in who we are and what we do. You can't, when my children do something, I can't hide my pleasure. I can't hide it. When you all show me your pictures, and I know I joke people about it and stuff like that, that's a good thing. To be pleasured by the things of your child. And listen, it's not by what they do. It's who they are. And that's what God does. And you know what? If you get that, it should become something that is life-changing. What do I mean by that? Because if we really work to believe and feel that your Heavenly Father is pleased in you, then you quit worrying or start asking, you quit asking the questions, does he love me? Does he care? Is he proud of me? God loves you and he's proud of you. Again, I, I use this illustration and hopefully it's something that the kids get a hold of and stuff like that. When your child brings that, that picture home and you know the picture where it's colored with weird colors, the sun is some kind of blue, and the sea's yellow, and nothing's inside the lines, and there are like weird things. You got spaceships coming up out of rocks and different things. You don't look at that piece of paper and crumple it up and say, This is the stupidest thing I've ever seen. Go do something better. You're like, This is beautiful. And you know what? This is going on the refrigerator, a refrigerator piece of work. Do you think God's up there crumpling up your papers? Do better. Get it right. Bring me something that's worthy of the refrigerator. And then maybe we'll talk. God takes your first paper and he puts it on the refrigerator and he says, I'm so proud of you. Well done. Live there. Live there. So as we come from the performance, it doesn't mean that we stagnate. He says, I want you to now grow. And I want you to grow in love. Love for your father. Because he's loving you already. He says, as you begin to grow in your love, then what happens is your desire becomes to please him. I want you to, to see this passage, 1 John 2, 12 through 14. I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. And so I write to you, children, because you know the father. And I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. And I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Now, I read that to you because here's the reality. We do grow. The apostles telling us there, we start off as little children. And listen, if you are just simply new to the faith, you know your sins are forgiven. And that might might be all you know in regards to the Christian faith. 
But then he speaks to young men. And he says, young men know doctrine. And listen, they also are able to stand strong against the evil one. But then he moves on to fathers. And you know what he said to the fathers? You know the eternal God. There's a growth in our understanding. We, The more that we fall in love with our Savior, the more we want to spend time with Him, not doing things for Him. Especially those, I mean, I'm in a job where I get um, something unique in some ways. I'm not having to go through a, a career to try to get to the top, to, cry, to climb the corporate ladder, to reach something, to reach a pinnacle, to become a vice president. I get to talk to people, um, especially a lot of times people who are retired, who come back and go, if I had to do it all again, I would change things up a whole lot differently. Because a lot of things I thought that were going to mean something really didn't. Now, I've taken that, and I've taken that wisdom, and I try to apply it to my life. So I'd much rather spend time with people than going to make money for people. I'm not saying everybody go, don't go and quit work. There's godly work. Okay? However, don't let that become your idol. Make Jesus the Trinity, your God. And so the reality is, is, is we are growing and we grow to a place where we want more time with Jesus than anything else. And then the last thing he tells us in verse 2 he says, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. So he's telling us to remember. So he's urging us on. He's saying, continue to do what you're doing. Just do it more and more. And now remember the instructions. So the first thing he's telling us to do is to know the word. We are to be studying. It's a lifelong commitment. Is it easy to read through the scripture? No, it's not always easy. Are there passages of scripture that you're just like, my gosh, how long is this passage? Why is this here? There's a story in our, um, when I do discipleship with, with some men, uh, we do disciplines of a godly man, and it tells a story of Lieutenant General Harrison. And Lieutenant General Harrison uh, ended up becoming one of the, the greatest uh, people. Uh, he only uh, missed the Congressional Medal of Honor, but he was wounded, one of the few generals that was wounded. Um, he received all the medals of valor. He uh, helped run uh, the fellowship of Christian officers for years. And here's the thing. Even in the midst of being at war and being busy at the Pentagon, dealing with presidents and stuff like that, he was able to read the Old Testament once a year all the way through. And the New Testament four times. And it said even during battles, he would find his time during the times of reloading and refocusing to catch up on the reading that he missed while he was in the battlefield. So by the time he dies at 90, he had read, because he didn't become a Christian until he was 20 at the academy, he had read the Old Testament 70 times, 280 times for the New Testament. And when he could no longer read, he had it read to him. Now here's the thing behind that. No one is busier than that man. But also, 
his mind began to be programmed by God's word so that everything that he dealt with was marinated in the word. That's what Paul's talking about. So whether you're an engineer, whether you are a school teacher, whether you're a mom, whether you're someone who's retired, you should do that from the thinking of how does Christ want my mind changed by the gospel as I do my work, as I take care of those who I'm called to take care of. So he says, remember that you've taken this word, you know the word, and again, it's authoritative, it's not optional. Don't be like Thomas Jefferson. Don't go through your Bible and rip pages out. Don't just read the books that you like. Read the whole of God's word. Because he's telling you what you need to do it. But it's not enough just to know the word. He says to also be doers of the word. So again, theology has to be practical. Which means that if if, if all I know is theology and I don't put it into practice and people can't know that I'm a Christian by how I act, something's wrong. We have to be the doers of the word. Ligon Duncan, who's the one of the um, presidents of RTS when he was a pastor in Jackson, made this statement. He said to his seminary students, you may understand the the hypostatic union perfectly and still go home and be a jerk to your wife. And if you go home and be a jerk to your wife, then you do not adequately understand the hypostatic union. Now, I know for some of you, there's like, what is that? I'll answer afterwards. But for those who understand, if you can't understand how the Trinity comes together and loves perfectly, And if you don't begin to apply that to other relationships, then you don't begin to grasp and understand what love is that Christ has given to us. And so he says, be hearers of the word, but also be doers of the word. Because people don't know the truth until you begin to live it out. Then finally, when we become doers of the word, we begin to please God. Because what's the pitfall always? To please man or to please ourselves? right? Those are always pitfalls out there. So we should be asking, how do I please God? And when we ask that question, okay, then it applies, listen, it applies everywhere to everyone and applies to everything. Here's what I mean by that. Okay. Cause I, I tell you, I struggle sometimes living out Christianity. I was <laughs> striving with Jameson. I had a friend in, in town, um, from Texas, so we went to the the space center, and um, someone proceeded to cut us off, and I started to get a little angry. And I looked at Jameson, and I said, "It's hard to be a Christian sometimes." And he looked at me, and I said, "Because I really want to just go over there and run that guy off the road and let him understand what he just did to us." And Jameson looked at me and goes, "But Jesus wouldn't want you to do that." said, mind your own business. (laughs) Loving Christ and being a doer of the word applies everywhere to everyone for everything. So be encouraged and hear Paul's words again. Finally, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus 
that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more, for you know what instruction that we gave to you through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, sometimes easy words to to say, hard words to put into practice. Lord, may we be a church that just doesn't study the word. But Lord, may our hearts be so changed and our minds and our thinking be so changed by the gospel message that we become doers of the word. Not because we have to, not to earn your love, but because of your love. We do good works to your glory and honor. And we do this more and more as we grow deeper and deeper in love with you and in our Savior, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name that we pray and all God's people said.